Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by predictive content analytics software, Inbound Writer. Now, here are your hosts from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Hey everyone, welcome back to Content Pros. I'm really excited today. I'm joined by Eric Deckers and Randy is out sick today. Hopefully he's feeling better, but Eric, I'm pumped to talk to you. I know you just relocated to Orlando, but tell everyone a little bit about what you do and what you've been doing. I know you wrote a book with Jason Falls, who we've also had on the podcast, but tell us about yourself, please. Well, I own a, a content marketing agency that until about 24 hours ago was stationed in Indianapolis. Uh, so I get to now travel around and work wherever I want, but basically what, uh, what the agency does is it produces blog content uh, and other forms of content for B2B companies. All right, perfect. So moving out of Indianapolis, I know I, I worked with Chris Baggett, a lot of great marketing folks there. So you're in a new place, and we were talking a bit before the show about the importance of being a good writer. And I think everyone's trying to create content. The term content marketing is pretty much widespread, but could you tell us a little bit about where you stand on content creation and how important quality is? Well, that's sort of been the, the push that I've been making for the last year and a year or a year and a half is everybody is so focused on making content that for them it just seems to be automatic, you know, just write the blog post, just write the white paper. And nobody really focuses on how do you do this well. And they, you know, we'll throw the blog at the uh, at the intern or we'll get the new sales guy to write the white paper. And they're giving this kind of work to people who are not good writers. Not the bad writers. They're just not good writers. And my argument has been <clears throat> this is the time for companies to start investing in the in the artists, you know, hiring creative writers to be your content writer, hiring uh, visual artists to do graphic arts and design. You know, this is the time where you really need to buckle down and get some of the best people making your best work. After all, this is you know this is a primary marketing channel now. And you don't want stuff that's just mediocre. You, you want stuff that's excellent. And the best way you're going to get excellent work is to get people who are trained in doing this kind of work. Well, I think that's a great point. And, you know, there are a lot of great writing professionals out there. And some companies may have one or two amazing writers throughout the company. And, you know, regardless of team or silo or which department they're in, what are some ways that they could work together to kind of combine the concept of Anne Hanley's book, Everybody Writes, so you're still getting lots of original ideas and people trying to contribute content, but you know, is it a managing editor type role, or, or how can they work together to try to make sure that everything that comes out has that stamp of quality? Well, the one thing that I would do, especially if the company and the team is large enough, is I would have an editorial team who's responsible for the overall voice. Uh, and this is, in fact, this is how I work with my clients. I have writers, and I work with uh, with young writers, uh, new writers, and help train them to become better writers. But when I get their work, 
uh, I rewrite and edit and tweak to make sure it has the client's voice and that they're happy with it. But this is also uh, a way to lighten my load, so I'm not writing everything myself. Uh, so everything is consistent uh, and sounds the way the client wants it to sound. And so a, a team can do that same kind of work. You can work with those uh, those interns and those new salespeople and, and anybody who can put their fingers to a keyboard and make words happen. Uh, you've got that, that team who's overseeing it and making sure that it sounds the way it's supposed to sound. Yeah, I, th I think that's another great point. And I'm curious, too, you know, some folks may not have the ability to hire out an editorial team or they may not have you know, a traditional writer on their team. So what are some concepts they could apply to try to get there? Which, obviously, it's it's like saying, you know, I, I play basketball, but I'm not LeBron James, right? So you can't just make anyone an exceptional writer. But what are some core principles they should follow? Uh, one of them is just to practice every day. Uh, you know, write every day, write something every single day, and that's going to make you better. Uh, another principle is just to read every day and not not blogs you know you actually want to read you don't want to read the kind of work that you're writing you want to read something better you know you want to read uh, fiction or nonfiction or whatever interests you but read published books by excellent authors and steal from them. you know steal ideas steal language steal phrasing <clears throat> but uh, learn from people who are much better than you by reading their stuff constantly. Uh, something else I tell people is uh, if you want to make the writing easy and easy to read and it doesn't sound like the, the marketing filled, uh, sorry, the marketing jargon filled stuff that we see a lot of blog posts become, uh, I always say write an email to your mom. And you know, start it out, dear mom, here's something I learned today. You explain to your mom what you learned. <clears throat> And you use it in the tone and the language that you would write to your mom in, especially in an email. And then get rid of that first part, and you're done. Uh, doing that kind of thing, you really get to write from the heart. You get to write about things that interest you. You get to uh, explain what excites you about that thing because you're talking to your mom. And that becomes one of the most interesting blog posts that you can write. And what I found, uh, even non-writers... Even people who don't write well, <clears throat> when they do that write-to-your-mom approach, uh, their stuff is exciting and interesting, and I actually want to read it. Even if it's not well-formed, it's well done, and it's still a joy to read. There were two things I want to dive into a little more that you said, and the first was about not just reading things that you're in. So if you're a marketer, don't consistently only read marketing posts. I think... That's a trap most of us tend to fall into because we know the term content shock that Mark Schaefer coined and you know there's so much out there. We follow all the blogs and we're trying to stay up to date on everything. So I think a lot of people aren't breaking away. What what are some of the books you're reading? Like what what should we be out there reading to try to get a sense of different writing styles and things we could apply to actual marketing or content? Well, I, I've got a, several favorites that I always either come back to or I'm always looking for their new works. And so, you know, I read a lot of the uh, the classic authors like Ernest Hemingway, and I really try to copy his style. Uh, or I'm a big fan of Mike Royko, who was a Chicago newspaper columnist in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and I love the way he writes. And, and I can find old 
books of his collections. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut, who uh, was from originally from Indianapolis, is another favorite. And then I look at uh, modern writers like Christopher Moore uh, and Christopher Fowler, uh, you know, humor writers, mystery writers, uh, anything like that. And so I'm looking for a lot of those favorites. And, and I like to read a lot of fiction. So anything by authors who I like, not only their writing style, but their storytelling ability. And I'll take notes. Uh, I'll write down a turn of a phrase that I enjoyed or, <clears throat> or uh, you know, copy a small passage that I like just so I can try to work on that in my own writing and then take that technique or see if I can reuse that phrase even in something simple like emails and, uh, and practice that on a regular basis until that becomes a habit. That's awesome. I love that. I think that's such a cool idea, too. And I know a lot of people subscribe to Word of the Day, and you try to find a way to work that in. But I think it's even better if it's in the, the concept of a story and actually reading stories, because so much of what we do has to tell a story, or at least it should. And, you know, you mentioned emailing your mom, and I think that's a, a great example. And Jay Bear's talking a lot now in his new presentation about the mom test and you know, if your job is something your mom would say, this is what you were meant to do, right? The passion, passionate pursuit of content or marketing or whatever you're doing. I, I think that's that's something that's worth exploring a little more too because I know my mom really has no clue what my job is, right? And for me to explain things to her, I have to talk differently. And so much of what we write, we're assuming that there's a greater intelligence level of the audience, not that there isn't. But so many folks are coming in new. And in marketing, I think we tend to create new terms every day. And we talk even more about the industry. So, you know, what are some some ways that that is beneficial? And do you have any examples you could share? Because I, I know in the marketing cloud space, right, so many people still don't know what a marketing cloud is. So we find ourselves going back and trying to define some of these terms versus just running with it and assuming everyone knows. Right. Well, and, and you kind of said something that I explain to people when I when I give a talk uh, about emailing your mom is our moms love us, but they don't quite know what we do, uh, even if we've explained it to them. And so we really do have to use that language that our mom gets. And so I remember seeing a, a phrase somewhere. Uh, somebody was talking about their photo uh, their photo editing software and, and our website, and they use the phrase, uh, we now have frictionless onboarding. And I got into a, a bit of a discussion with the guy who wrote that. <clears throat> we argued on Twitter about whether that was a good way to say it, and he insisted it was because it was accurate. And I, I told him, I said, my mom has never once asked me about a new social network, whether the onboarding was frictionless. <laughs> She'll ask me, is sign up easy? <laughs> Can I sign up? Is it easy to do? But she's never once used the word frictionless, I think, ever. So it's that kind of, uh, that kind of idea that that's the mom test for me, is, is what kind of language would my mom use and would my mom understand? And so whether it's a concept or jargon, or just a you know even a clever turn of phrase, which which I might enjoy, 
but if if my mom is not going to get it, I'm not going to use it. Yeah, that that's so critical. I mean, we're seeing that a lot. And one example that I've talked about before on Content Pros, you know, everyone is throwing out the term cross-channel marketing now, and everyone really understands marketing automation. And the search trends even show people are still searching marketing automation, which is easier to understand. You automate your marketing, whereas cross-channel, I think that's something where if you're not in the industry or using one of the tools, we have to talk a lot more about what that is and explain it to people. Well, and, and the other thing that you mentioned a minute ago is somebody who's new to the industry. That's a journalism practice. You always write for somebody who is not familiar with the story. When I took uh, journalism in college, back when, uh, when we still not only printed on paper, but we uh, printed out, waxed, cut, and pasted the stories onto the paper. Um, our journalism professor said, always write for the guy who just woke up from a cuff. He woke up from a cuff. He's been out for a few years. He has no idea what's going on. He reaches for a newspaper, and the first thing he sees is your story. So you have to explain your story with all the new news while still making that guy understand what was happening. And so if you treat your reader is somebody who's not only new to the topic, but maybe new to the industry. Or in some cases, they're not even, your readers are not even the decision makers. They're the information gatherers that the, the CMO has sent an assistant out to look for this information. The CMO may know all the terminology. She may be up on, on the latest terms and, and, uh, and look for things like cross-channel marketing, but her assistant doesn't. You know, she's not in that <clears throat> in the trenches with that kind of language all the time. So the assistant is looking for terms that, that he or she is familiar with. And so we can't just go changing something because we're tired of the term after a year. I remember hearing an interview one time uh, with a woman who, uh, and this is like four years ago, said we should stop calling it blogging because it had grown so far beyond blogging. And my argument, uh, yelling at my computer while I was listening, was there are still companies that don't even know what blogging is. They don't even know it, let alone have it, and you can't go changing the term on them while we're trying to get them to understand what it is. So don't call it something new just because you're tired of the term blogging. So it's, it's that rush to jargon that I think people like to use to sound smart that's hurting a lot of these efforts. I'm tempted to jump into a discussion of like listing off as many marketing buzzwords as we can, but that, that would probably divert us and take a lot longer than 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So earlier you were talking about you know having a great writer and working together as a team, which is a great opportunity to talk about Proof HQ, one of the sponsors who makes this show happen. So one of the trickiest parts of content creation is approvals and edits or actually making sure it has consistent voice or that quality that you're looking for. Everyone weighs in on logos and what photo you should use. Well, you can kill all of that drama using Proof HQ. It's a slick web-based system that allows everyone on your team to instantly collaborate on content executions. You can work together seamlessly on blog posts, ebooks, slide shares, infographics, and more. You'll be more productive and more creative when you use Proof HQ. You can check it out at bit.ly slash Proof HQ. So Eric, I'm curious a little bit about 
measurement and how you try to engineer success into the content you create or that you create for clients. What are the metrics that you're looking at in addition to, you know, that consistent quality, consistent voice? What are you looking at to make sure your content's successful? Well, ultimately for me, it, it comes down to two things. One, when I look at the overall page traffic, did the little line go up or did the little line go down? <laughs> if it went up, that's good. If it went down, uh, I need to figure out how to get it to go back up. Uh, the other bottom line is sales. So I can look at things like paths and call to action. Uh, would it be calls to action or call to actions? Um, you know, I look at all these things. Uh, did this tweet land a lot of clicks? Did this white paper get a lot of downloads? <clears throat> Ultimately, it's how many people subscribe to the newsletter, uh, and even beyond that, how many people made a purchase. And so those are the metrics that I concern myself with most. Um, <clears throat> my focus as a company is more on, on content creation and strategy, and so we're looking more at the bottom line rather than trying to analyze and super analyze uh, everything. Uh, I just don't have that kind of background, and I work with people who do, uh, and I, I let them tackle most of the analytics. And, and so far, it's been uh, it's been a great way to work. They're not great at language. I'm not great at numbers. Yeah, I think I, that's so important. We have obviously at a company like Oracle a lot of different teams, so it's one of the things where you can specialize on what you're really good at, which I think is important because you can definitely stretch yourself thin as a marketer and you know, I'm curious too, you mentioned various different metrics, like obviously there's traffic and then you have sales metrics to make sure you're converting the traffic. Are you looking at that and trying to create content for specific phases of your funnel, like for your actual business, or are you trying to create content that you feel good about and has that quality? Like, are, I, I'm guessing, it, is it a little more methodical for you or are you just saying like I'm going to create good content and they'll find us and they'll come in and we'll turn them into customers if it's the right fit or is it more look this is going to be top of the funnel I need something for people that are comparing us to other vendors or whatever the case may be. So, and I take more of that, that first approach you know it's more not seat of the pants but it's, it's more what kind of trends are we seeing what are the numbers showing us what are the topics are people looking for. What I've found uh, just over the years is that most people want that top of funnel uh, information. You know, they're coming to the topic for the first time, even to the point where we talk about things that, you know, the client says, oh, everybody knows what that is. Everybody understands that. We explain it to them. Uh, yet when we do that, five reasons why you need X or what are the, you know, the five most important things you look for in hiring a new uh, contractor, new pool contractor. That is what gets the most uh, the most traffic. More people are reading the stuff that quote everybody knew, and the client realizes that oh, but he understands this the way that we do. <clears throat> so anything to get him into the funnel, that's where I spend a lot of my time thinking, and then we start driving them further down the funnel. And I approach uh, most most engagements almost as if I'm a new client uh, or new customer of theirs because I've got those initial top of the funnel questions, but then <clears throat> as I learn more, as if I were doing research, there are deeper questions I want to ask. And so we get more specific and we drive further down the funnel, uh, all with blog posts usually. Um, 
Although some of the clients want uh, white papers and they want special reports and they want ebooks and then we work on those. But I'm constantly trying to drive myself down the funnel with blog posts and that's where we start seeing that traffic increase. Uh, we see that top of the funnel numbers go up and then soon the middle of the funnel uh, numbers go up because we're seeing the increase of uh, number of reads and, and visits to that page, the site is high, so we're looking for that kind of thing. And it, it takes several months uh, to get to that point where we start seeing those those advanced topic numbers go up. But it's uh, it's been working for us for seven years now. Yeah, and you hit on the common sense point, which comes up a lot for me. And, and when I build presentations, a lot of times I step back and look at it. Or I'll do the wife test. I'll show it to my wife, and she's like, this is common sense. And, you know, it still feels like we haven't done this well. We're jumping to the next thing, and we need to go back and actually do this better. And you're in a unique perspective because you're working with lots of folks on strategy and content creation and trying to find what is working for them. And we know the CMI stats, the Content Marketing Institute stats, roughly one in three companies have a documented content strategy, which I still think is extremely high. I think it's actually lower, which is scary. But you know, what are you seeing in the strategies of the companies that you're talking to or working with? What's the biggest flaw? Like, What is the one thing they should start to improve for their content strategy? Hmm. I think one of them is they're not... They're not focusing on social, which has become so intertwined with good content marketing promotion. <clears throat> you can't just assume that, that the search engine is going to be everything. And I know things keep changing between Twitter and Google and Google and Facebook and, and all of these places, but, uh, but a good content marketing program has a good social component with it. And <clears throat> not just blasting out, here's my new blog post, here's my new white paper, but actually having those conversations with people, uh, trying to become an authority uh, and a question answerer for people on social media. It's the same thing we were, you know, when I wrote Branding Yourself with Kyle Lacey, we talked about how do you become that recognized authority in your field, you just have conversations with people and, and help them achieve their goals a good company doing a good content marketing strategy is going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to help you reach your goals. I'm going to answer your questions. Uh, I'm going to tell you how to fix this problem, even if it means pointing you to a white paper that we wrote two years ago. And I think that's that's the biggest thing that a lot of companies are forgetting to do. Yeah, that's great advice. And you know, I, I, another thing that I hear a lot going to events and talking with folks people are paralyzed creating content. Like they really don't know what to write about when there's so much that's in front of them. I, I call it the fear of the blinking cursor. Like if you just open up, you know, your word processing software and the cursor's flashing at you, some people get freaked out and they can't think of anything to write. So what advice do you have for the content practitioners who may say, look, I don't, I don't have a lot of original ideas or there's not content here. What would you tell them? Um, one of the things I would tell them is to always carry a notebook. Uh, because the ideas will pop into your head. Uh, that's the first place to start. Just start brainstorming and, and you know sitting around with people. Sit around with people from other departments and ask them what kind of questions do you have? And then just come up with this list of questions. Any questions that they have or anything that they think would be cool, write it down 
and then see if you can do something with that. Uh, another place to start uh, is look in your email archives and search for the phrase, how do I or why should I? Because invariably somebody has emailed you the question, how do I do X or why should I uh, do this? And you emailed them in the past. That's why it's in your archive. So pull that out and expand on that answer, and that becomes a blog post. Or if you've got a customer service department, uh, ask them, what are the questions you're hearing the most from customers? Because chances are the reason people are calling is they went to the website and couldn't find the answer, and so they're calling. You know, They're, they're willing to put themselves through that 30-minute to two-hour wait just to get an answer to their question. But if you could put it on a blog post, that ends up helping your customer service department out. Uh, so those are a few places to start looking for ideas. The best place I think to go though is original research. And I was just I've been talking to Kyle about this uh, <clears throat> quite a bit is the idea that you do research, do solid uh, analytical research on a particular topic and release that out to people. So whether it's something like, you know, what's the best time to publish your email newsletter, or what, what's the best time to uh, promote your latest blog post, or you know, anything like that, anything related to your industry. What colors are the most visible on business signs, or whatever it is, <clears throat> write that report. Get somebody who is actually good at research. Don't just set up a, a survey monkey survey. Get somebody who's, who's trained in research, who can do a good job, and get that that one or two questions answered and then release that as a special report uh, and promote it uh, with public relations as well as social and have people come to you for that information. Get them to write about it on their blogs and their newsletters and their websites all driving traffic back to you. you know, we, we all know people in our industries, whether it's marketing or our, or our own individual industries, we're releasing these special reports all the time, and everybody's talking about it. <clears throat> Everybody cites them. That's, I think, the best topic that you could come up with. Even if you only did that once a year, that's still much, much more than a lot of people are doing. Awesome stuff there. And you know, you hit on traffic and several things. One, I I love email to blog posts. That's one of my absolute favorite things. I, I hit that one a lot too. But you know, as you were talking about driving traffic to your website. Inbound Writer is one of our amazing sponsors, and they can actually help predict what will drive traffic to your website before you write it. So it's a content analysis tool that forecasts how your content will perform based on real-time analysis of your site, your competition, and search engine behaviors. Inbound Writer tells you what topics will work, which won't, and why to help remove the guesswork from content creation. This is going to increase your traffic and decrease wasted time. They're offering up a free trial of the tool at inboundwriter.com slash offer, and we'll link that up after the show. So, Eric, we are quickly running out of time, and there's one question we love to ask at the end of every recording, and that's what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I wanted to be a lot of things. I know when I was five, I wanted to be a, uh, a firefighter or a detective, and when I was 10... I wanted to be a professional baseball player, not realizing I sucked at baseball, and there was no hope of that. Uh, but beyond that, I never gave it much thought. I always knew I was going to do something, but <clears throat> it always it always seemed to revolve around books. 
So it was going to be writer or publisher or you know, librarian. I don't know, but it was. I loved to read when I was a kid, so I always had to do something that would let me do that. And uh, and beyond the baseball player thing, I never gave it much thought until uh, my junior year of college when I thought, hmm, I should probably start making some grown-up decisions now. And uh, and ended up going to uh, graduate school to delay that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you didn't go very far from what you wanted to do, so that's awesome. I mean, you're you're right in your wheelhouse, and you're doing it in a way where you can make money as well, so that's really good. Yeah, yeah, I've been very pleased. Well, Eric, thanks so much for joining us today, and, you know, on behalf of Content Pros, we thank you for your time, and if you guys want to subscribe, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Stitcher, anywhere you like to get your podcast. You can read more about our show and listen to our episodes at contentprospodcast.com. So on behalf of the missing Randy Frisch from Uberflip, I am Chris Moody from Oracle Marketing Cloud. Thank you to Eric for your time today, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Oracle Marketing Cloud, Uberflip, and Inbound Rider, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast Imaging by Audio